Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. This sermon you are about to listen to is from our study through the New Testament book of James. If you are joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form that you will fill out so that we can get to know you better. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. According to the United States Department of Treasury, there, are, there is approximately $70 million in counterfeit bills in circulation in the United States of America. Now, just so we're all on the same page, I did not say $70 million in Monopoly money. There, are set, there is $70 million in counterfeit bills in circulation in the United States of America. Now, what that plays out to be is that one out of every 10,000 bills in our nation is not legitimate. It's actually fake, with the most counterfeit bill being the $20 bill. Now, here are the facts from that data from the United States Department of Treasury. That means there is currency present in our nation that at first glance looks legitimate. But in reality, it is not what it appears to be. I share that with you today because as we continue our journey through the New Testament book of James, James is going to share with us some principles about wisdom. And we're going to see clearly from Scripture that there is a perspective in the world that has the appearance of wisdom. But in reality, it is not what it appears to be. We're going to see during our time together today the difference in what we're going to call worldly wisdom and what we're going to call godly wisdom because they are not the same thing. As a matter of fact, they are complete opposites. And in the same way that we test money to prove if it is genuine or counterfeit, James is going to give us some principles to help us test what type of wisdom is actually directing or influencing our lives. So if you have a copy of the scripture, would you look with me in James chapter 3? And I want to begin reading in verse 13. James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. If you don't have a copy of the scripture, uh, we're going to put it here on the screen so that you can track along with us. Here's what James starts with in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Now, I want to stop right there because this is really important. 
This is really the target in our conversation. The target for us today as we look at God's word is for all of us to be able to say, yes, I am wise, I do have understanding from the Lord, and I am demonstrating that by my behavior and living out in the gentleness of wisdom. That's really the target as we look at these verses together today. Several weeks ago, Pastor Vance actually preached from the book of James about wisdom. And he defined wisdom as the ability to see life from God's perspective. And that's really what we're all striving after today. The ability to see life, not by a limited perspective, not just from man's perspective, but from God's perspective. And I love what Tony Evans said to really summarize wisdom and understanding. Here's what Tony said. Wisdom is seeing and interpreting life from God's perspective and then making life's decisions based on that understanding. So with that as a groundwork with verse 13, let's pick up in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above, speaking of a different type of wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what I want us to do during our time together is I want us to ask and answer three very simple questions about wisdom. But before we do that, for the sake of clarity, I want to give you a couple of descriptions so we can all be thinking the same way about worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Obviously, as you read this text of scripture, you see that James is talking about two very different types of wisdom. So tonight in our conversation, as we think about worldly wisdom, here's what I want us to think about. Worldly wisdom is characterized by a self-focused way of living that leads to chaos for me and others. Worldly wisdom is characterized, it's marked by a self-focused way of living that ultimately leads to chaos for me and others. And we see this principle throughout the scriptures. Look at Proverbs 14. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You see, there is a perspective in this world. There is a way of thinking in this world that many people are going to say, this is the right way. This is what you should believe. And they're going to try to steer us onto that message of culture or that idea. But the Bible here is saying that way that many are going to follow 
ultimately leads to destruction, to death, to chaos. So that's how I want us to think about worldly wisdom as we look at this text tonight. But let's talk about the opposite. Let's talk about godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is characterized by a Christ-centered life that leads to fruitfulness both for me and others. Do you see the difference? Worldly wisdom is focused on self. It's focused on what I desire. Where godly wisdom is submitted to the Lord's will and His way. I love Proverbs 9. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we are going to walk out our lives in the way God designed us to, it doesn't start with what we want. It starts with what He says. So with those two foundations in place of worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, let's ask and answer three questions out of these verses. And here's the first one. Where does wisdom come from? Where does wisdom come from? Where do we find wisdom? Now, my initial response to that question is easy. Google. Most people would say, if I don't know something, the first place I'm going to go is to Google. Some people may say, well, I would say experience, or I would say education, or I would say research, and none of those things are bad. But we see within this text in the book of James the source of worldly wisdom as well as the source of godly wisdom. So let's start with worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom comes from the enemy who is 100% evil. This way of thinking in our culture, this way of thinking in the world that many people have chosen to follow, it is evil and it comes from the enemy. Verse 15 in our text tells us there is a form of wisdom which does not come from above. It's referencing worldly wisdom. And verse 15 goes on to progressively describe that wisdom. It is earthly, natural, and demonic. So worldly wisdom is not heavenly, it's earthly. It's not supernatural, it's natural. And it's not divine, it is demonic. And probably the most famous example of this demonic way of thinking in play in Scripture is found in Genesis chapter 3. If you're a student of the Bible, you probably know what happens in Genesis chapter 3. It is the fall of humanity. So here's what's going on in this passage. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God has given them freedom to live and to love and to enjoy life. But God has said, don't eat of a certain tree because if you do, you will surely die. And so the enemy comes to Adam and Eve in the form of a serpent. And he says, you should eat from that tree to which Eve says, we cannot eat from that tree or we will surely die. Let's pick up Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes 
and that the tree was desirable, listen to this, to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Adam and Eve believed in that moment they were being offered godly wisdom. But as we know, they were not being offered godly wisdom. They were actually being offered worldly wisdom. Now here's the reality, and this is challenging. The same enemy who deceived Adam and Eve in the garden is on a mission to deceive us. To lead us down a way of thinking that is not based on what God says. That is not based on godly wisdom, but is based on a perspective that is earthly, natural, and demonic. We need to have an awareness of that. The source of worldly wisdom is the enemy who is 100% evil. What about godly wisdom? Godly wisdom is from God who is all wise. Godly wisdom comes from God who is all wise. In verse 17, we see a reference to wisdom from above. This is a reference to godly wisdom. And this principle is seen throughout the scripture. One place we see this is in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6. The Bible says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Several weeks ago when we talked about wisdom in James chapter 1, Pastor Vance shared with us that God being all wise knows the greatest potential outcome for every moment of our lives. And he also knows the best way for us to achieve that outcome. Here's the incredible news. Yes, the enemy is on a mission to deceive us into a way of thinking that is evil, natural, and demonic. But God desires to lavish on us his wisdom from above. We saw in James chapter 1 that God tells all people to ask for wisdom if you lack it, and he will give to us generously and without reproach. So where do we find wisdom? Well, worldly wisdom comes from the enemy who is evil. But godly wisdom comes from God who is all wise. Here's the second question out of this text. How does each type of wisdom impact my way of life? How does each type of wisdom described here in James chapter 3, how does it impact the way that I live my life? Well, in verses 14 to 17, we see descriptions of what worldly wisdom and godly wisdom look like in our lives. And I told you earlier that James was going to give us a filter to determine if our life was being shaped by a worldly perspective, or if our life was being influenced by a godly perspective. Well, this is the section of Scripture where he clarifies that. Look at verses 14 in the first part of verse 15. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom or worldly wisdom is not that which comes down from above. Now, 
In these verses, there are some pretty heavy words, some pretty challenging words that James lists. And so what I want to do very quickly is I want to share with you a statement that has a blank in it. And I want to insert each of the words that James uses here to describe worldly wisdom just to help us get a better understanding of what it looks like and to evaluate our own lives to determine if we are being influenced by wisdom from the world. So here is the statement. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a blank person. Now, James is going to fill in this blank for us, but each word we're just going to insert. We're going to talk about it for a moment and just evaluate our own hearts. The first word that James uses here is the word jealous. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a jealous person. The word jealousy in verse 14 means intense negative feeling over another's achievements or success. It means to be envious. You see, worldly wisdom makes me glad when other people fail because I'm secretly jealous of what they have. That's convicting to even communicate with you. But that's what worldly wisdom does. It directs us toward envy. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a jealous person. Here's the second word that James uses. Quarrelsome. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a quarrelsome person. The word used in verse 14 is selfish ambition. It means to be contentious, to cause strife or conflict. Worldly wisdom makes us relationally divisive. Have you ever known anyone that regardless of the group they hang out with, there was always drama? If they're in this room, don't point at them. That's the biblical principle of being quarrelsome. That in every pocket someone may go into, there's drama. There's division. There are issues. That is directed by worldly wisdom. It's the biblical principle of being quarrelsome. Third word he uses here is boastful. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a boastful person. The word in the text is the word arrogant, which means to focus on myself at the expense of others. Worldly wisdom directs me to be prideful. It directs me to think I'm more important than you and I am better than you. That's an evidence of worldly wisdom or worldly perspective. And then one final phrase he says is lie against the truth. Worldly wisdom directs me to be a deceitful person. It makes me live my life as a lie. It makes me live a life that is fake. The core question at the heart of this perspective that is earthly, natural, and demonic is this. What is best for me? What can I get out of this situation? It focuses more on what I want than on what God says. James says here, these are ways that your life is impacted by worldly wisdom. So this week, as I was just kind of sitting with that, I thought about it in my own life. When I know my life is being influenced by the perspective of the world, 
that is earthly, natural, and demonic. Like, what, is that, what does that look like? When I'm struggling with one of these descriptions here, what, is, what does that look like? Well, I wrote down a few I want to share with you. Maybe, maybe you can relate. When my life is being influenced by worldly wisdom or the message of culture, there is a difficulty to honor and encourage others. When I'm too focused on myself, I struggle to celebrate the activity of God in other people. I struggle to celebrate the success in other people because inside I'm actually jealous of what they've accomplished. If you relate with that at all, you need to know that is evidence of worldly wisdom directing your life. Fleshly perspective that is earthly, natural, and demonic. Another thing I wrote down is there is ongoing relational conflict. When I find myself in different circles of relationships and in every one somehow I'm stirring up strife or I'm stirring up division. I have to stop and evaluate. Is that being driven in my heart or in my mind because of a worldly perspective that is earthly, natural, and demonic? Something else that's true, when I know in my life I'm being impacted by worldly wisdom, desperate prayer is noticeably absent. When I'm full of pride, when I'm full of arrogance, I don't pray. Here's why. Desperate people pray. Prideful people don't. And James says here, listen, when you're being impacted by worldly wisdom, you're going to be arrogant. You're going to look at other people and think I'm more important than you and I'm better than you. So if that resonates with you at all, this is the moment to ask the question, God, what lie have I believed from the world? that is causing me to be shaped or influenced by the wisdom of this world. And then finally, when I'm, when I'm being impacted by worldly wisdom, moments of repentance are few and far between. And this really speaks to what James says here about being deceitful. When I'm lying to myself and I'm lying to others, the last thing I want to do is be in the presence of God. Because in the presence of God, I have to be honest. And I have to face the convictions that I'm facing, that I am lying against the truth. I am deceiving myself, and I'm deceiving others by the way I'm living my life. So here's what I want to just challenge you with. If any of these descriptions in this moment like stir your heart, and if we were to do so, we're not, but if we were to just say, hey, who, who, who wants to give a testimony? Like if it it stirs your heart, this is your moment to stop and say, God, why is that the case? What lie have I believed from the enemy or from the culture that has caused worldly wisdom to have such an influence in my life? And this is the moment to stop, acknowledge the truth that combats the lie, and by faith, believe the truth. Because as the people of God, jealousy and arrogance, and selfish ambition, and lying, being deceitful, that is not the fruit of the life of Jesus in us being lived through us. But James is saying this to this church, I promise you, because jealousy, quarrels, boastfulness, and deceitfulness were present in that congregation. And here's what I know. They're present in our congregation. 
And God has given us a mirror today in the book of James to look at and say, Lord, if this is present in me, would you show me what lie I have believed that is causing the wisdom of this world to more direct and influence my life than the wisdom that comes from above? James goes on to make a transition, though. Look at verse 17. He's going to move from talking about the wisdom of the world to talking about godly wisdom. But the wisdom from above, or godly wisdom, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. He gives another list. And it's another challenging list. So I want us to process this the same way. I want to show you a statement. And we're just going to move through these quickly as an opportunity to get clarity from Scripture, but also just to evaluate in our own hearts. Are these things present as a result of us being directed by godly wisdom? Here's the statement. Godly wisdom directs me to be a blank person. Let's look at what James says. He first says, Pure. Godly wisdom directs me to be a pure person. It's a word that means desiring holiness, seeking righteousness, desiring a pure life. When God's wisdom, God's perspective, God's way of thinking is influencing me, that's what I yearn for. He goes on to say, peaceable. God's wisdom directs me to be a peaceful person. It means not causing conflict, but producing peace through humility. Now, I think this one is really important. Because by saying this, it does not mean that in the life of a Jesus follower, there will not be conflict. It means we are so passionate about right relationships And we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. So we believe relationships matter. So when conflict does arise, and it will, we humbly and urgently go to make those relationships right. Now, if I'm honest with you, here's what I think about and maybe what you think about and unfortunately what I've done before. When there's a conflict that I don't really want to deal with, I just kind of put it off until it's been long enough that I can just forget about it. That is not how it should be within the body of Christ. Next weekend as a church, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And one of the things that I love about doing that is the moment it gives all of us to look both vertically and horizontally at relationships that need to be made right. And James is saying here, when you're being directed by the heartbeat of God, by what God says, what he mandates, peace in relationships is going to be a big deal to you. The next word he uses there is the word gentle. Godly wisdom directs me to be a gentle person. It means to be considerate of others. Next word he says is reasonable. I said it this way, God's wisdom directs me to be a pleasant person. It means teachable. It means not stubborn. Next is about mercy. God's wisdom directs me to be a merciful person. 
This phrase, full of mercy, means not only forgiving other people, but going to serve them as you forgive them. It's another level beyond just saying, okay, I'm good with you. It's trying to determine how can I serve those who have actually hurt me. The next word is fruitful. He says, full of good fruits. Godly wisdom directs me to be a fruitful person. It means to carry out good deeds. The next word he uses is unwavering. Godly wisdom directs me to be a decisive person. It means to be consistent and certain. And then finally he says, without hypocrisy. Godly wisdom directs me to be a sincere person. It means what I talk and what I live are in a line with what God says. That is the way that God's wisdom impacts the way that we live our lives. Now, I want to say this because if you're anything like me, when I go down that list, I basically feel like a failure. But in this moment, if that's you, and you're thinking, man, I don't really hit any of those marks. This is not the moment for you to say at church, I'm going to try harder. This is a moment for you to say, I'm going to trust God more. And I'm going to trust that even in the moments when I don't think it makes sense, in the moments I'm not in control, I'm going to trust him that as I continually surrender, as I continually lay my life down before him as my Lord and Savior, he is actually going to press his very life out through me. This moment as we think about the way godly wisdom impacts us is not a moment to try harder. It's a moment to trust more. And I think there's an amazing parallel between what James shares here about worldly wisdom and godly wisdom and what we see in Galatians chapter 5 about the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Look at this section of Scripture. It's so powerful. Now, this first section is about what we accomplish. This is what we do. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. That's what we accomplish by trying harder. Our flesh will never bring our honor and glory to Jesus. But the second part of this passage tells us what Christ desires to do through us. It's described as the fruit of the Spirit. It's what's produced through our lives as the Spirit of God lives through us. Here's what it says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So as we think about these things that are so challenging for us, here's the invitation. Jesus is inviting us to say, Lord, I can't, but you can through me. So if you're in the room today or you're watching online and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, we acknowledge as followers of Jesus that we cannot meet God's standard. It was impossible for us to earn his love, to meet the standard of what he required for relationship with him, but God did for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
and he sent his son Jesus into the world. Jesus lived perfectly and died as a substitute on the cross on our behalf so that we could have access to the life, to the abundant eternal life that he offers. And the word says that if we will, by faith, trust him, his finished work on the cross and his eternal life, he will reconcile us into a relationship with God and he will live his very life through us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's what godly wisdom leads us to experience. The life of Christ in me living through me is the only way that I can live out what we just read at the end of Galatians chapter 5. So that's how these forms of wisdom impact the way we live. Here's one final question for us tonight. Here's number three. What does each source of wisdom produce? What does each source of wisdom, what does worldly wisdom produce? And what does godly wisdom produce? Well, we see in verse 16, worldly wisdom produces chaos. Verse 16 says, there is disorder and every evil thing. We can look at our world today. And it's very evident that the majority of our world is being influenced by worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom will ravage our lives, our church, our city, and leave us in the midst of chaos. But godly wisdom is different. Godly wisdom produces a fruitful life. Verse 18 says, And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of godly wisdom, that list is long, but two things that are in this verse, righteousness and peace. We all desire more of that. Well, that is a result of being influenced and directed by godly wisdom. So that's the text. We see the source of wisdom. We see the way that each source impacts our lives, our way of life. And we see the result when we are influenced or directed by both worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. So here's my challenge as we wrap up. My challenge for you is to relentlessly pursue godly wisdom. To be shaped, to be influenced, to be directed. First and foremost by what God desires for your life. You may be here and you would say, well, how do I cultivate godly wisdom? I hear what you're saying and I want that. Well, how do I I cultivate godly wisdom? Well, let me give you two words as we close. The first word is perspective. Seek God's perspective through time alone with him. Seek God's perspective through time alone with him. With him, the greatest way that you and I can understand and begin to walk in godly wisdom is to spend time in the presence of God. Time in his word, time communicating with him through prayer, times of worship. It brings us to a place of not seeing the world the way we naturally see the world. It brings us to a place of seeing the world through God's perspective. 
God's primary ways of conforming you more into his image is through his word and prayer. And you will never have God's perspective on life if you are not consistently spending time with him. So perspective. Here's the second word. People. People. Prioritize relationships with people who can walk with you. Proverbs 13 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise. One of the ways we learn what godly wisdom looks like is by walking with people who are further on the journey than us. So if you're here today and you would say, I desire godly wisdom, here are two steps. Perspective. Pursue moments alone with God to let him share what's on his heart with you. And people, seek out people who are further along on the journey, who can teach you, who can disciple you, who can walk with you to help you understand what godly wisdom is all about. I'll close with this statement by John Piper. I thought it was so powerful. Time is precious. We are fragile. Life is short. Eternity is long. Every minute counts. Oh, to be a faithful steward of the breath God has given me. May we steward this life well by passionately pursuing godly Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.